It's an amazing story and it's a true story because they get to Kilgore, Texas after they've ripped off widows all across Oklahoma and Texas and they strike oil. Largest oil find in the history of the world right there in the heart of the 1930 depression. Of course they get arrested because everything they sold was 500% of the shares and you only have 100%. So during the court trial all the widows showed up hoping to see them hang but it's not only the oil that was a miracle, it's the, oil, it's the miracles that happened afterwards. And this is a true story written by an amazing writer named Dan Gordon. In 1993, Kevin Sorbo emerged as a full-fledged international TV star when he was cast as the lead role of Hercules in a series of TV films that would lay the groundwork for the immensely popular series Hercules, The Legendary Journeys. Now, it was also interesting enough, in that series, he met actress Sam Jenkins. Now Sam's his wife, <laughs> and they have three children. Friends, welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler here on the Bot Radio Network, and we're going to welcome to the show today Kevin Sorbo. Kevin, I'm so glad, man. You have been on a spinning wheel of interviews, and I appreciate you taking time for me to talk about this brand new film that's coming out this weekend, Miracle in East Texas. The movie is opening in theaters again, as I say, this weekend, so we want to tell our friends about it. Also, let's go ahead and mention that you need to see the movie trailer at MiracleInEastTexas.com, friends, so I hope our Bot Radio Network friends will check it out. But Kevin, hey, it's been a while. You've been on the show in the past when you had that film called What If? <laughs> that Dallas Jenkins directed, and it's good to have you back on Mid-South Viewpoint. Well, what if that was a long time ago? <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> I've shot about, oh, I, I say 60 movies. <laughs> no, where you been? You've been running from me. I, I'm always here for you. You were born in Mound, Minnesota, where your mother worked as a nurse and your father taught junior high school. What was life like growing up in your home? You know, it was a great place to grow up. I got to tell you, my, my best friends to this day are guys I've known since the grade school. You know, it's, it was a town of about 7,000 people. It's on the western shore, beautiful Lake Minnetonka, you know, about 25 miles west of Minneapolis, I guess. My little town on that western edge of Lake Minnetonka was home to Tonka Toys. So there's a good trivia question for people right there. <laughs> You know, it was a big sporting town. It was big in football and basketball, baseball and everything. And during our high school years, you'd get 4,000 people of the 7,000 showing up at our high school football game. <laughs> and it was crazy. And it was just it was just a wonderful place to grow up and very idyllic and very fun. And my teachers taught the subject they were told to teach. They didn't tell me how to vote. They didn't tell me not to believe in God. Back in the day when teachers actually, whether education counted for a little bit more than it does today. So I just was very fortunate. And in church every Sunday at St. John's Lutheran Church, I'm typical second generation Norwegian boy. It was just a wonderful place to grow up. And I go back every summer because I tell you what, I don't miss the winters. I left, <laughs> I left after college. I said, you guys can have it. Like I said, it was it was very instrumental and very, very important to me to, to guide me to the road I'm on right now. Well, it was in college that you covered tuition costs with modeling work, which actually landed you into the career of television with performances on shows like Murder, She Wrote in the Commission. Now, Kevin, I have to ask you, what was it like working on the set with Angela Lansbury? Any particular story that stands out working with her? Back up a little quick here, because I was 11 years old. You mentioned modeling, but that was something that I was dating a girl who was a model at that time. But I got into acting at 11 years old. I fell in love with acting as a young kid. I knew what I wanted to do since I was 11. Um, when I got into college, I met a girl who was a model. She said, oh, you should model. I said, I'm not a model. I'm doing commercials work right now. It's fine. And she got me doing that. And we ended up living in Europe for three and a half years. I was over there having such a wonderful time traveling around doing stuff. But fast forward to Angela Lansbury. My mom was so excited when I got the guest spot. <laughs> 
because she was a huge fan of Murder, She Wrote. And Angela and her husband invited me into their trailer on the set of Universal, the lot there, and said, uh, for lunch. She invited me to lunch. So I had lunch with them. I come out, and the crew was just, like, looking at me going, she never does that. And I go, what do you mean? She never, she never has people come in there. Well, I was finding out that she was kind of checking me out to see if I was good enough to meet her niece on a blind date. <laughs> 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 She gave her niece the okay and asked me if I would meet her. And I said, sure, I met her. We had, and there was no sparks there, you know, but it was it was nice to meet her. But I thought it was pretty funny that Angela was uh, there checking out to see if I was good enough for her. <laughs> I love it. Well, obviously, there were some sparks when you met Sam on the set. Now, was it automatic right away when she first got on the set? I'm a big flirt. I'll be honest. I was single during all those years uh, and down in New Zealand. And every episode, we had a pretty girl to work with. So I was, it was a great dating service for me. So <laughs> I, I knew I was in trouble. Um, I'm very good at hitting my marks and knowing my lines. And I went up my lines in the very first scene with her. And Michael, Michael Hurst, who played Eolus, my sidekick, looks at me and he goes, I said, Michael, help me out. He goes, you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> oh, I love it. And um, it took me a while. I, I wore her down. But our, our first date was quite interesting down in New Zealand there where I shot the series. She gets in the car. Of course, in New Zealand, you everything you drive on the left side of the road. And I had country music on. She goes, you like country music? I go, well, yeah, I do. You know, I've, I've got a wide taste in music. I'm not a big rap guy, but I like pretty much everything else. And she said, well, I like country music. So leave it on. I said, OK. So then we go to dinner. We're talking, we're talking, talking. And I said something. And she goes, wait a minute. Are you conservative? And I go, yeah, pretty conservative. I don't fit in Hollywood too well. Then I said something else. She goes, wait, you're, are you a Christian? I go, yeah, I'm a Christian. I've been Christian as far as I can remember. She goes, hold on, hold on here. You're a Christian, country music, and a conservative, the three C's. Kevin, I think I'm in love with you. <laughs> oh, so it was a love at first sight. I love that. We got engaged within six months, but we physically only saw each other for probably, you know, two months at that time. So it happened pretty quickly for me. What would you say, Kevin, is the percentage rate that the Hollywood culture coincides with you as a conservative Christian? Um, I'm sad to say it's probably more than what most people think, but it's, it's, it's less than what it should be. Yeah. Um, I would say it, it's at least 20 percent, okay. maybe even 20. I just think that a lot of people were the new in the closet. It used to be the gay and lesbian world was in the closet forever. It's now the Christians and conservatives and Hollywood are in the closet. And You know, it's interesting, you know, especially the last six, seven years. I get people come up on the set to me, whether they're camera guys or actors, and say, hey, thanks for being a voice for us. And I go, well, dude, be a voice for yourself. Why do I got to be your voice? But people are afraid. You know, fear is government's favorite weapon, you know, displayed proudly, obviously, during COVID. Everybody's afraid of being canceled. Everybody's afraid of, you know, never working again. Everybody's afraid. And it's just, you know, I'm still working. Am I getting called for Hollywood things anymore? No. I mean, Hollywood gave me the boot about 11, 12 years ago, said we can't work with you anymore because you're a Christian and conservative. And I laughed at him. I said, you're the ones who scream for tolerance. You're the ones that scream about freedom of speech, but, you know, they're hypocrites. Everything's a one-way street with these guys, just as bad as, you know, the people we put in Washington, D.C. Well, well, you know, that was really, I think, what kind of sparked a passion for you and Sam together to be on a mission to create inspirational, positive films through Sorbo Studio. What were the days like leading up to forming this company together? Um, It was really pretty quick, actually. You know, I said, look, we're not, Hollywood's not going to pay attention to me anymore. We know the business inside and out. I've been, in, you know, at that point, I've been in the business for 30 years. So I said, let's form our own studio. I get scripts sent to me all the time. I'm not even, I have a studio, but I've got a nice little bunch of scripts that I want to do. So we'll, we'll do the best we can to hopefully find budgets for them. I mean, once I get funded, I have no problem. I can shoot right now. I can pick a, a dozen states that I can go shoot in with the right tax credit and with the right crew. So, um, you know, we've built it up and uh, it's been a wonderful world. And on top of that, uh, because I'm an independent filmmaker, I get a lot of other independent filmmakers calling me up and say, hey, 
check out the script. We'd like to offer you this role. You know, would you like to do it? And, you know, lo and behold, you go, wow, this is a great role and a great, a great script. So, yeah. So I've been blessed on both sides. Uh, no longer the big Hollywood budgets anymore, but I'm doing movies that make a difference in people's lives because through SorboStudios.com, we get emails every day from people saying, I became a Christian because of what you're doing. And I find that amazing. And I get people saying, look, I'm an atheist, but I saw your movie, What If? And God's Not Dead. And I thought they're pretty good. Hmm. To me, that's that's a positive. Oh, that's such a positive. It really is, Kevin. Well, Miracle in East Texas, your latest movie creation opening in theaters this weekend. You directed the film, co-produced the film, and you star in the film as Doc Boyd. What inspired you most about this project? It's really based on a true story of two con men convincing lonely widows to invest in their worthless oil wells during the Great Depression. Well, it's just a story that you just said what it is. It's an amazing story, and it's a true story, because they get to Kilgore, Texas, after they've ripped off widows all across Oklahoma and Texas, and they strike oil. Largest oil find in the history of the world, right there in the heart of the 1930 Depression. Of course, they get arrested because everything they sold was 500% of the shares, and you only have 100%. So during the court trial, all the widows showed up, hoping to see them hang. But it's not only the oil that was a miracle, it's the miracles that happened afterwards. And this is a true story written by an amazing writer named Dan Gordon, who wrote The Hurricane for Denzel Washington, wider Kevin Costner, wrote 60 episodes of Highway to Heaven from Michael Landon, great writer. It's a wonderful, wonderful story. We're attracted to true stories. I've done other true stories like, well, like Soul Surfer, which was a big hit. Yeah. You know, Life of Beth and Hamilton. And I was in that movie with Helen Hunt and Dennis Quaid. Dennis and I just finished the Reagan movie. He plays Reagan. I plays Pastor. That's going to be out next spring. So I like movies that, that have a true story. I think Hollywood just wants to constantly see how many more Spider-Man movies they can put out. When those movies are 75% a video game, they're all just visual effects. You know, mm-hmm. I want to do movies that made me want to be an actor in the first place, movies that inspired me and with characters that I could relate to. And that's what I'm doing right now. It's fun to do real movies. Disney's going to take over a billion dollar loss this year because people are tired of all this woke stuff and this yep. cancel culture. People are sick of it. And this silent majority is finally waking up. But I wish a lot more would wake up because how bad does it have to get in that world, people, that before you stop being afraid of what people are going to think about you if you speak the truth? Yeah. Well, Miracle in East Texas is definitely a Sorbo family project. Acting in the movie with you is your wife, Sam, and your son, Brayden. When did the acting bug bite Brayden? He's involved with this movie, too. Well, unfortunately, when you homeschool, the kids are on set with you every day. So <laughs> they grew up in movie sets. You know, I've been averaging four movies a year for the last 12, 13 years now. And their kids grow up on set, so they're not intimidated by being on a set. We see people first time on a set, they seem they look around, they're a little nervous. And my kids just, it was no big deal to them. So when they were 11, 13, they came to me and they said, you know, Dad, we want to act. And fortunately, at that time where we lived, we lived about 45 miles north of L.A., there was an acting class just three miles away. So they took classes for like three years and they're now 22 and uh, going on 20. My oldest son now just finished his eighth movie. My 19-year-old, he and I just booked a movie together. We're going to shoot it in uh, Fort Worth, just outside of Fort Worth, and it's a Christmas movie. It's a wonderful, very touching true story, another true story. Christmas movie obviously won't be out this Christmas. It'll be out next year. Right. But I'm looking forward to work together, and he's going to play my son. So it's art imitating life and life imitating art. Oh, I love it. I love how the family just doing life together and working together and sharing Christ. Other cast members include John Ratzenberger, best known for playing the character Cliff Calvin on the comedy series Cheers, who you worked with in that movie What If that Dallas Jenkins directed. It looks like there is a natural chemistry between you two. You know, John is great. I actually got, I actually did a guest spot in the last season of Cheers. I remember being on the set and talking to the producers and I said, this is your last year after 13 years. 
I'm sure you'll have a spinoff. Who would it be? They pointed across the studio to the set there to Kelsey Grammer. Really? Yeah, Fraser. They said, this guy makes the phone book look funny, you know? And <laughs> sure enough, I mean, that was like nine or 10 years, big hit for him on that one as well. So, you know, it was, it was interesting. But with the boys, um, I knew they're going to want to do it. So the first movie we did as a family, another movie I directed called Let There Be Light, which I highly recommend people to watch. It was funded by Sean Hannity. Every time we've been funded in any of these independent movies, I tell you, it's been a God thing. It's amazing how hard it is to raise $3 million. And I know people listening right now go, well, $3 million is a lot of money. It's not a lot of money in Hollywood. Like I said, all these Thor movies and Spider-Man and all these movies are $300 million movies with a $100 million advertising budget. I do $3 million ones, okay? So the, to me, that's that's the catering budget, these $3 million on these movies. So we got to fight tooth and nail to get as much screening as we can get. So I hope people go to SorboStudios.com, SorboStudios.com. Sign up right now. You can get tickets right now for this Sunday, October 29th, and Monday, October 30th. If you fill up these theaters— Tell your church, every pastor should tell their churches to go see this movie. Yep. Then these movies will get more days and more time. I get stopped all the time. It used to be Hercules. I get stopped all the time now for What If God's Not Dead and all these other movies I've done. People say, make more of these. Well, you got to support them. Otherwise, they're not going to get made. We need people to support these movies. That's such a great word, Kevin. And I hope our Bot Radio Network listeners will take heed to that and go out and support it. As you mentioned, when you fill up these seats during these two days, Sunday and Monday, that makes the movie theaters say, hey, let's extend this longer. And the more you do that, it just continue on. And that's what we want to see happen. Academy Award-winning actor Louis Gossett Jr. is the narrator of the film. How did you connect with Louis? Um, you know, I've known him for a long time, and I just got a hold of the guy. He ends up being the narrator. He was in the beginning much more with my son, Braden, but when we went to the editing room, it just was too slow. We needed to get to the story. So we have him on the beginning, and Braden's at the beginning. Stick around for the outtakes. They're in the outtakes a lot. There's a lot of funny stuff that happened on that set. So during the credits, don't run out of the theater. Stay for the end of the credits. It was just a fun process, but we realized we had to do what we did. And then we brought Lou in. I said, you know what? We need the, we need his amazing voice to narrate this movie because there's a lot of spots in between that help drive the story by the story he's telling at the same time because he plays the little eight-year-old kid that was there at that time. Tell us about some of the other actors in Miracle in East Texas that are working on this film. Well, John Ratzenberger, I told you earlier, was just so wonderful to work with. And we did What If together. And I keep telling people, I think What If is a much better movie than God's Not Dead. It's the same people. You mentioned, I think, earlier. Yep. Oh, I, lo yeah, I love What If. What If is, I tell them, I go, I don't care if it's that movie's 11, 12 years old. They should reissue that because a lot of people don't know about that movie and they find out about it. And they write us at Sorbo Studios and say, what if it's awesome? It is a great, great movie. But back to the current one, Luke Austin's great in it, of course. Tyler Maine. Tyler Maine plays an amazing character. And as a lot of people know Tyler as Sabretooth and X-Men. He was a WWF wrestler, big 6'9", 6'10 guy. He was Jason in all the scary Jason movies. Oh, was but, he really? But trust me, he's a full Christian. He's a full <laughs> Christian. But, but great cast. And the local cast we got out of Canada, we shot outside of Calgary, was incredible. Oh, this reminds me. So I showed the movie to about 450 oil guys there in Texas. And one of the guys said afterwards, I know exactly where that area is he shot. And I said, no, you don't. <laughs> because <laughs> it was in Canada. They went, what? And I go, yeah, it was in Calgary. And I said, you got to listen, because it's called show business, not show show, right? Yeah. Canada has a huge tax credit. We got 35% tax credit on the movie. Plus, we got 25% back on the U.S. dollar towards the Canadian dollar. And if you look east, you see the Rocky Mountains, you see Calgary, the skyline. You look west. It's Texas. Huh. And that same 3,000-acre ranch we did this, that's got a lot of different uh, sets built on it. It's a working ranch, cattle ranch. That same ranch was used by Kevin Costner and for open range 
in Clint Eastwood for Unforgiven. Oh, so my. It's good enough for those two guys, <laughs> it's good enough for Kevin Sorbo. A good movie has so many different elements. You know, it's got a great storyline and the characters, the way they mesh together. There's just so many factors. But I also love when there's a humorous factor. The thing about that is because some people, Kevin, as you know, say, well, Christian films are just kind of cheesy, very predictable. But this is very unpredictable, this movie. Well, I think I think the cheese factor was there more back before 2010 or something. I think over the last 15 years, it's really gotten better. Great storylines. The camera equipment is as good as anything Hollywood uses in their big budget movies. Um, whatever visual effects you need, even if you need you have a couple, it's just as good as big movies. But I think the difference is right now is what you just said. I think the stories are much better. You got a lot more quality people on both sides of the camera that want to be involved with them. I get emails monthly from people in Hollywood saying, look, I'm a closet Christian, but I really love the movies you're doing. I'm a cinematographer or I'm a makeup artist. I want to work in your movies up where that's possible. You know, so I got a list of a bunch of these people's names because they, they've all done great work in the past, but they, they're tired of doing the secular movies and mm. they want to do something different. So it has gotten better. There's no, there's no question about it. You mentioned the humor. I added lived a lot in Hercules. I had lived a lot in my series Andromeda. I love humor. I grew up with three brothers, so we're all very sarcastic <laughs> each other. So I just want to look for something to laugh at. And Dan Gordon wrote a great script. And, you know, we came up with stuff on the set to keep that going. You know, I mean, even though it is a true story, these people, these are con guys. These are evil guys in a way, but they did it in a very charming way. They're incredibly charming. They wooed their victims on Bible verses and Shakespeare's monologues, you know, so soliloquies. So it was a lot of fun to do this movie, but also what I love about it, the redemption factor is there that faith actually does win the day. And Hollywood doesn't want to do that for whatever reasons they don't want to do that. And that's why they're losing things on TV. I turn on something new on TV. I watch 10 minutes. They're, oh, here we go again. And I said, I'm done. You know, yeah. so incredible. Did you run across any major hiccups while the film was in production in the shooting time or in the final stages? Um, not really. Calgary was interesting out there in the plains because sometimes these little wind things would come up and they'd only last for like two minutes. One set on that we were on in that location on that set where there's wind. I mean, it was a beautiful day. And all of a sudden there's wind and it picked up all the tents, which could have really could have hurt somebody because these tents are blocked in there with these little steel poles and stuff. And some of these tents went 70, 80 feet in the air. Oh, my. And luckily nobody got hurt. And there was a tree in there. A very important element is this cottonwood tree. And it's in the story. And the people, when they watch the movie, they'll see the cottonwood tree. Well, luckily we shot everything using that tree before him because we had to plant the tree there in the middle of nowhere. This was one of the true spots of the actual story. That wind blew every leaf off the tree. One of the guys on the crew said, that's a wrap on the cottonwood tree. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Well, Kevin, what's your greatest reward for making films like Miracle in East Texas? The greatest reward happened in, um, in Salt Lake City when we were up there, when that woman walked up to me, this Muslim woman walked up. She said, I'm a Muslim. I watched your movie, God's Not Dead, and I became a Christian because of your movie. She started crying. My wife started crying. I started crying. We stood up and we prayed for her. She had a little seven-year-old daughter. She said, we've both been baptized. And I said, um, are, are you married? Because I was married. My husband beat me. I had to escape him because he's still Muslim. And he was beating her for leaving the Muslim religion, turning Christian. So it was a pretty amazing story. And ever since then, I get these stories all the time. And I get people stopping me and say, look, I saw your movie and it was a huge difference in my life. I did something called The Procedure. I hope people go look at the procedure if they go online, just put the procedure in there. It's a video. It's an animated video that I narrated in the voice of the actual sonogram guy that witnessed an abortion because he was a believer. He didn't know what he's getting involved for because the guy that usually does the sonograms with the with the doctor for the abortions was late and they pulled him in. 
And he said, oh, look at this little baby girl. And then they started ripping the legs off and the arms off. Oh. And it's a, a very graphic animation. But we get women that watch that. And they change their minds watching that. They say, oh. I can't. I, I got a life inside of me. And I, I know God has been leading me down this road to do these things. We've had six decades now where we've brainwashed everybody to think that abortions are that, you know, killing a human being is no big deal. It's quite sad what the world has turned into that, you know, they'll hug a tree and they'll, they'll scream to death about saving a sea turtle egg, but they have no problem murdering a human being. And that's what it is. Oh my. We just hosted an event with about 220 pastors this week. And, uh, Alan Jackson from Alan Jackson Ministries. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. He was our guest speaker. And he just challenged these pastors, said, we are called to speak truth into culture. And that is what we have to stand up and do, speak truth into culture and not compromise, not back down. And it sounds like that's what you're trying to do through not only your films, but you're also a writer. You've written the book, The Test of Lionhood. The book educates children about the positive qualities of masculinity, empathy, selflessness, courage, speaking up for what's right. Is this educating children arm of Kevin Sorbo, does it stem from your dad being a junior high teacher in any way? Um, You know, not necessarily. My dad, my parents are both very strong Christians, which was great. So I grew up in that household. But I I just get crazy what we're doing right now, what we're doing to kids, what we're doing to uh, the cancel culture. I mean, I want to meet these cancel culture people because obviously they've led such amazingly perfect, sinless lives that are able to go after people and destroy people's lives. It's really quite amazing to me that we've gotten to this place in the world right now. And I said, I need to wake up the sheep. Churches need to wake up. Pastors need to wake up. I do a lot of speaking events, mostly pro-life, mostly Christian education. And I say, you know, pastors, maybe you don't need me to say this, but I'm going to say it. you got to remember you work for God. You don't work for government. Because I've seen so many examples of woke churches now. Hmm. It's just unbelievable to me that what's going on. It's unbelievable to see that there's people out there uh, congratulating Hamas. They're they're pro-Palestinian, but they don't realize that Hamas are the ones that keep these peaceful Palestinians under their thumbs. There's this there's an uneducated, ignorant level of these people. I saw a sign of a group of gay women with a sign saying queers for Hamas. And I went, are you kidding me? That would be the same as African-Americans saying we are pro-KKK. It's really unbelievable to me what's going on in the world right now. And it has to do with our public education system. And I said, we need people to wake up because I'm tired of silent majority. How how bad does it have to get for everybody out there to finally wake up and do something and stop being afraid? The only thing you're supposed to fear is God. It's in the Bible. You're not supposed to fear everybody else. Fear is understandable. I get it. But you got to find a way to get past these roadblocks in your life. And this book really deals with It's not anti-anything. It is just pro-child. And, you know, masculinity has been attacked, and I think it's misunderstood. And it's important that we know that masculinity is also a gift given to men by God. A masculine man is strong, okay? Amen. Amen. Strong man. Jesus Christ is the perfect example of a man because he showed both power and he showed love. We're different. Men and women have some equal uh, qualities, but we also have different qualities that can work together. And people need to understand that as well. There's, there, both parents are very important, I think, in raising children today. I think we're missing the mark on that, which is really unfortunate. Because women and men, we have different roles. We have different gifts. Some roles are meant for men. Some are meant for women. But some work together the same way. But we need men to stay masculine. Women are feminine, womanly. But they both fulfill roles that God made for them. It's as simple as that. 
Oh, amen, Kevin. Well, I want our friends to discover more about Miracle in East Texas, the newest film from Sorbo Studio at sorbostudios.com. You have to go, friend, this weekend, Sunday and Monday, the two days that the movie will be out in theaters here locally. And I'm wanting you, friend, to go. Bring a friend, bring a truckload, a busload of friends and church members to go and watch and support this film so we can carry on and continue carrying on and help support the work that Kevin and Sam and his family are doing with their team. And hey, Kevin, what do you want moviegoers to take away after seeing Miracle in East Texas? I think they're going to see another fine example of redemption and hope, because I think a lot of people are searching for hope right now in this crazy, hateful, angry world we're living in. And I'm hoping they don't let anyone set their limitations, especially themselves. Look in the mirror and say, what kind of a person you're going to be? Tell yourself you're getting bigger, stronger, and better every single day. Just say that to yourself and plug on and do not let fear control your life. That's what happens with too many people. And fear just brings on anger and hatred. And they want to spread and bring everybody down because they want them to live in the black hole they're living in. We have to pray for these people. But you also have to find the strength to power through life in yourself as well. And go to SorboStudios.com. There's a lot of Christmas coming up, guys. we got a lot of wonderful documentaries, faith-based documentaries there that I think would be great Christmas gifts. Please check it out. Kevin Zorbo, my dear brother, thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom, for his glory, for his honor. Thank you for being our guest here on the Bot Radio Network on Mid-South Viewpoint today. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And we'll talk uh, before Easter. I look forward to it. Friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint on the Bot Radio Network. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. So this is Texas. Very flat. I just believe the hand of Providence has been guiding our every step. We're going to hit oil right here on your plate. Doc Boyd and Daddy. While they weren't much good at actually finding or drilling for oil, they both possessed an unusual facility for convincing people that they could do just that. Oil! I've never felt it so strong in all my life! Widows were the mother's milk of the petroleum hustle. Love is not time's fool. And now that they had a well, it was time to hit every widow they could find in a three-county radius. This well, we can't bring it in. We've already sold close to 500%. Ah, so? You can only have 100% of anything. I just wanted to be square with you because I care for you, ma'am. Give me back the $1,000 I took. That you swindled from other widows. I don't want you here. I want you out of my house. We got to take what we got and get as far away from Texas as we can get. You want me to walk away from it? We're crooks. We've conned all those old ladies. Yeah, we conned those old ladies because that's what we do. I'm an oil man. Praise Jesus in all his glory. Lotharios. He's talking about you. True hand to God miracle is what it is. That's the gospel truth. Leave the rest up to Jesus! God's own bounty. Oil. Black gold. Amen. Amen. Amen.